Well, good morning, church. How is everybody this wonderful Sunday morning? Just want to extend my honor and my gratitude to Pastor Alex and Pastor Naomi. I believe you guys are somewhere in Turkey right about now, give or take. Um, along with all the other wonderful people that are on their way to Israel. The church just wants you to know we are all very jealous. <laughs> But we love you and we pray that you would have the most amazing time, that God would encounter you and you would just have the most amazing Holy Ghost filled time. And Pastor, if you're watching, the only thing I want when you come back after your Mount Carmel experience is for you to lay those amazing hands of yours on this bald little head of mine in Jesus' name. And that'll be enough for me. But I love you and we miss you dearly and cannot wait to hear about what's happening over on that side. And if each and every one of you would just receive me the this morning as a spiritual son in the house, as an extension of his ministry rather than a replacement in his absence, I would be forever grateful to each and every single one of you. That is the greatest honor of a spiritual son. Amen and amen. Somebody say with me. <laughs> I see what you did there and I like that. Somebody say with me, can I get a witness? Come on, can I get a witness? First service was a little, I don't think they had their coffee, so I'm going to need some help with second service. Come on, we called to testify. Do you know what a witness is? A witness is a legal term. In the court of law, a witness is called to the stand to do what? To testify of what? To prove what they've seen, to prove that what they've heard, to prove that the experience that they had in a legal court of law. Can I get a witness? The early church was catapulted into a state of revival because of testimony. Can I get a witness? The early church was sustained. Everybody say with me, sustained. They were sustained in revival because of testimony. Somebody say, can I get a witness? Testimony will not only cause and be a catalyst for revival, testimony will also sustain revival. You can say it this way, that testimony is the sustaining power of revival. Why? Because they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of, can I get a witness? Every single person in this place has a story, undoubtedly. My story will look totally different to your story. I want to debunk a few things this morning, and I want to look at some other examples from the Bible, because when we talk about testimony, how many of you immediately, your mindset goes to healing? It's okay if you do. That's okay, because mine does too, to be fair. How many of you, when you think of testimony, you think of creative miracles? Okay, we got some Brownsville people here. <laughs> we got some revival of old people from here, right? How many of you, when you think of testimony, you think of salvation? Okay, a few more hands. You think of deliverance. You think of getting pulled out of your Egypt, right? You know, the issue isn't getting pulled out of your Egypt. It's pulling the Egypt out of us. But that's another story from another, for another day. But testimony is going to look different for each and every one of us. 
One of the things I want to debunk this morning is that your testimony is no less powerful if you didn't go through some bad stuff. You know, when we look for testimony, we're so quick to look for, you know, I've killed five people and I was a prostitute for 15 years and I was a heroin addict for 11 years and it destroyed my family and it did X, Y, and Z. I was a great big heathen. I was living immorally. I, I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to da 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 We always look for those testimonies. And understand me this morning, there that is a powerful testimony. I am in no way, shape, or form taking away the power of that testimony. But one of the most powerful testimonies that I've encountered that really helped me in my life was a couple that had been married for 50 years and they said the only reason why we're still together the only reason why we're still together our story is the story that it is because of we were raised in the church we got married in the church we dated in the church and 50 years later we're still in the church praising the lord together hand in hand as husband and wife yeah they didn't have some crazy alcoholic heroin addict story but i want to tell you something that that testimony had power are you with me and we want to water down our testimony or think that my story doesn't will not affect anybody because it's not some wild and crazy story and I like the wild and crazy stories. But the early church had many different examples, not only of healing, not only of deliverance, but also of some perverse and wicked politicians making money doing dirty business deals. Women at the well that had been divorced many, many times and felt dejected and rejected and had to go get water when nobody else was going to be at the well because it was at that moment that they could do it without getting any kind of persecution. But somehow in the midst of all that, they found the water that they actually needed. So many different people that got healed supernaturally, and we love the healing stories, and, and I don't have time to get into those this morning, but every time something like this happened and they encountered who? They couldn't help but open their mouth. Why as the church are we so silent? Come on, can I get a witness? You know, we also have this idea, and I'm just, is this okay? We're just talking for right now. We also have this preconceived notion that testimony is what happened to us in 1952, the day that we got saved. That is true. Somebody say amen. Nothing wrong with that. There's power in the day that you got saved, and that's part of your testimony. But is Jesus still alive? Is Jesus still healing? Is the blood of Jesus still working? Is the Holy Ghost still moving? Are people still getting saved? Are people still getting delivered? Are people still being prospered? If they are, you should have a fresh testimony. What did God do last week? What did God do yesterday? What did God do last month? Not only the day that you got saved. Don't, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not taken away from what happened the day that you got saved. That's a powerful testimony. This week as I was preparing this message, I started taking count of how many times I share my testimony on a weekly basis. And not like with intention, right? Because there's one thing of like, okay, I'm going to go out today to make sure that I can share my testimony and tell, you know, a certain number of people about where I came from and what I went through and what I did. 
this was legitimate conversation that just came up throughout the week. But because of the, the nature of the message, I started taking note of how many times, I was 11 times, at, well, I guess 12 because the last service, hey. <laughs> As of right now, I'm 12 times I've shared at least a part of my testimony. And it came out in conversation. And all of the, all of the times that I shared it, with the exception of one, 9 a.m. service, was guess what? Not in the church. Come on, we got to get outside the walls a little bit. You know, the early church was marked by revival. And they would testify everywhere they went. They could not keep their mouths shut. We know this. The word says that they came to him and commanded them to not even speak of this Jesus anymore. And the following verse, I'll read it a little bit later, says that they couldn't help but not talk about him. Which, I ain't going to stay silent. I got to tell somebody about what he's done. Are you with me? And watch this. I, I'm not looking for the church member from the church across the road. I said this in first service, and I had a couple people that were like, you could almost see they were upset with me that I said it, you know, but there's like 137 churches in Vero Beach, give or take one or two. That's not a blown out, exaggerated number. That is a legitimate figure, okay? Do you also know that there's 52.4% of Vero Beach residents are not, they don't affiliate with any religion? Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. That means one out of every two people you meet, this simple math this morning in Vero Beach, is unsaved in Vero Beach. And it says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Can we dive into it a minute this morning? I got to get behind the pulpit because if I don't, we're not going to get through it. I'm just going to reference some of these scriptures this morning because um, I have multiple chapters and we just don't have the time. What I would do is I would encourage you to please during the week go and read these. I'll give you the scriptures. You can take some time and read them this week. Is that okay? But let's look at a couple of different characters in the Bible that don't necessarily always have to deal with healing, but we're going to talk about somebody whose life that got changed. And first, I want to start with Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. It says, verse 2, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. This is that politician that I was talking about earlier. The reason why the word makes that dis, dis my goodness gracious, y'all need to pray for me. I can't speak this morning. The reason why the word distinguished him in this manner, that he was a chief tax collector and that he was rich, they do that with purpose. In those days and age, <laughs> I'm sorry, okay, you'll get it in a minute. In those days, the tax collectors and politicians of the day would make dirty money by doing fraudulent deals. And they would charge more tax than they were supposed to. And a certain amount of tax would go to the government that was supposed to go to those allotted areas. And then the leftover went in their pocket for their Bentley. Now, you're getting it now. 
<laughs> See, it just clicked right there. It just clicked because I said in those days, but you know, in these days, you fill in a blank. Okay, everybody okay? Amen. <laughs> Chief tax collector. He was a man of prestige, a man of honor. He was a, a, a man in the public eye, and he was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. And I love this because for me, and again, you may read the Bible different to how I do, and that's totally okay, but when I think of somebody with prestige or with honor or somebody maybe in, in a professional uh, uh, environment or a professional arena, you know, a politician, a tax collector, a doctor, things of this sort, in my mind, I get this vision of somebody who had to lay down their dignity, who had to lay down their pride, who had to do something radical. I almost see like somebody in a business suit hanging out of a tree like a monkey. That's, that's a little bit radical. That's a little bit desperate to see about this Jesus. Now, why would he be so desperate as to lay down his own self-righteousness, his own pride, his own prestige, if you will, to go hang in a tree just to get a glimpse of this man? Somebody say he had to have heard something. Somebody say, testify. See, word was getting out about Jesus, and he said, I got to meet this man. So he climbs up in a tree. Jesus goes to pass him. And as he's walking by, he says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He received him joyfully. And there's a really big key there. And if we had time, we'd touch about that or talk about that. But let's go to verse 8. It says, after he met Jesus, after he encountered Jesus, verse 8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look, Lord. I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, there it is, that dirty money, I restore fourfold. Now we read this, and we have this idea in our head of what it looks like. And because we're all very well versed in the scriptures, we just kind of roll on to the next scripture because we know what we, we know the end of the story. But I ask you this morning to take yourself out of that perspective and put it in the perspective on the receiving end of that. Let me paint the picture. The politician rolls up to your door and knocks on your door and says, hey, just by the way, I want to let you know I've been stealing from you for the last 10 years and I've been taking 15% over and above what I was supposed to be taking and I met Jesus. Knocks on your door and says, hey, I just want to let you know the Bentley that I just drove up in here in, you bought that. But I met Jesus. And in the process of meeting Jesus, not only do I want to make restitution and pay you back what I've taken, I'm going to do it with interest. Are you with me? Now, put yourself in the shoes, in the perspective, on the receiving end of that. You're going to go, hmm. I need to meet this Jesus too. This man's been stealing from me for 15 years. He's been taking 15%. Hey, I bought him a Bentley. Are you with me? Come on, let your mind wander for just a minute. It's okay. You got to put yourself on that, 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 that side of it. And he testifies. He says, but I met Jesus, and now my whole life has changed. Now all of a sudden I'm going to make restitution. Now I want to make things right. Now I want to do things right. Now all of a sudden I want to do business the right way. Yeah, I was blessed before. I was rich before. I would love to know what happened to Zacchaeus afterwards, only because I know the principles of giving. 
the Samaritan woman, is everybody okay? Let's talk about her. She went to the well. She went to the well at, at midday. She went at a time that was kind of unnecessary. It was at a time where nobody else would be at the well. And how many of you know when you're trying to avoid people, all of a sudden it's sometimes in those moments when you're trying to avoid the world, you're trying to avoid everything else, that's when you'll meet Jesus. Any event, she's at the well and she meets Jesus and they have this conversation and they go through this whole conversation and Jesus gives her a word of knowledge. And I'm paraphrasing just because of time's sake, but this is a very well taught portion of scripture here at Oceans. I think our pastors taught about the Samaritan woman at least 13 times, maybe 14. And there's a reason because it's really powerful. Somebody say amen. But he, he meets her and they have this word of knowledge and he says, listen, you know, how, where is your husband? She says, well, I have no husband. She, you know what? You're right. You've spoken well. You've actually had a couple husbands. And he gives her this word of knowledge, and she freaks out, right? And this is what she does. Watch this. In verse 28, it says, the woman left her water pot. What was she there for? Wait a minute. Hold on. You mean to tell me I went to the grocery store to get groceries, and in the process of getting groceries, I was getting something that I needed to, to, to sustain my life, and in the process of getting something that would sustain me physically, I got something that would sustain me spiritually, and I totally forget about the groceries, I totally forget about the tacos, I totally forget about that ribeye, and I run right on out of Publix, and I make my way to the town and say, listen, you guys got to get to Publix, there's a man in there getting some steak tacos that told me everything about myself, you need to meet this man. She left what she was doing. The encounter she had was so real in that moment that she forgot all about the water that she needed and took right on into the city. And she couldn't keep her mouth shut. Verse 29, come, see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city. We got to go check this out. Why? Because they, can I get a witness? Oh, I like this next part. Let's go to verse 39. Put verse 39 up for me if you don't mind. Listen, we have this preconceived notion. We're going to break some stuff down this morning. We have this preconceived notion that I can't get out and I can't evangelize. I can't help and extend the kingdom of God because I don't have enough of the word in me. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have any Bible degrees. I don't have any doctorates in Bible theology. But look here. It says, and many Samaritans of that city believed in him because Jesus came and worked miracles. And, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because, you know, he, he, he showed up and he began to prophesy. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Believed in who? Why? Can I get a witness? So you mean to tell me somebody that just met Jesus, <laughs> you mean to tell me that somebody who just encountered one word of knowledge, one encounter, and many, many of the Samaritans of that city believe, not because of the big great theologian who could quote every Greek and Hebrew text, not because of the Torah, not because of all of this, that, and the other, not because of her great revelation, not because of her great knowledge. Watch it, not even because of her anointing. It says that they believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Oh, can I get a witness? 
So at this point, at this point, at this point, at this point, we've got a crooked politician who made a lot of money from doing dirty deals, and we got a woman who got a word of knowledge, and, and, and you know, Jesus began to reveal to her some things, and, and we've got two instances. Are, are, we, are we good so far? Let's take a look at Saul, Acts 9, verse 1. Acts 9 and verse 1. It says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. We know the end of the book from the beginning of the book because we're Christians and we live in this dispensation. So that means this is Paul. This is Paul before Paul was Paul. This is Saul. This is the same Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the same Paul that arguably had more revelation than many of the disciples, many of the early Christians. But in verse 1, it says that he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. Murderous intent. A man that knows the scriptures really well. I'm I, I just going to throw it out there that religion will always try to kill what Jesus is trying to do. And Saul who knew the scriptures very well, who was studying to become a Pharisee at that point in time, Pharisee or a Sadducee, somebody maybe help me out with that. I'm not sure if the two don't totally slaughter me, but he was studying to become somebody powerful in the church. Amen. Was it a Pharisee? It's a Pharisee. Thank you. Either way, he was very well-versed. He was very scholarly in the Old Testament scriptures. Are you with me? And he was against the church, the way, the early church, it's amazing how religion will blind you to what Jesus is doing right in front of you. Jesus is moving, he's saving, he's healing, he's delivering, and they were testifying of what Jesus was doing. And Saul was getting more and more aggressive. He was getting more and more angry. And he was going out with murderous intent to lock up and to shut down what Jesus was doing through the disciples and through the testimony of what the disciples were saying. Religion will always come to kill. Then he has this moment, and Jesus meets him and blinds him, sends him into the city, and then Jesus appears to Ananias, and we know this story well, and in the process of the vision of Ananias, Ananias starts to, to freak out a little bit because he said, you know, Ananias was a disciple of Jesus, amen? And Ananias says, Lord, you want me to do what? Because the Lord told him to go and lay hands on Saul, that Saul would be healed. And he says, wait, wait a minute, hold on, time out. Um, Jesus, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is the man that's trying to kill us. This is the man that's trying to lock us up in jail. And you want me to go lay hands on him? What about when he lays hands on me after I get done laying hands on him? <laughs> right? So he has this bit of a panic moment, and there's a whole message wrapped up in that about you can be reluctant about what God tells you to do, but at the end of the day, still be obedient. Either way, he goes and he lays hands on Saul, and the scales were removed from his eyes. That with which was blind was now able to see. And let's look at what happens after that. Verse 20, it says, immediately he preached the very thing he was preaching against. Boy, I wish we could get some Holy Ghost-filled pastors that would just have a, you know, that moment where them scales would come off and, you know, the, the gifts don't exist, tongues don't exist, 
prophecy doesn't exist, all of a sudden them scales come off and they go, you know what, I was wrong. <laughs> Let me testify real quick. Can I get a witness? I heard this morning, or was it last night? Was, I think it was last night. I was watching a podcast of Dr. Michael Brown, and he was discussing tongues. Rabbit run for two seconds. Everybody okay? No one's uncomfortable. We're at Oceans, right? Amen. All right. So he was, it was a podcast about tongues, and Dr. Michael Brown was going through, you know, how he tried in his early days to, because it was a little too weird and wonderful for him. So he was trying to actually come up with the scriptures against the supernatural side of things. And he said the problem was is as he would read it, he would realize that it was more and more out of context what the other side was trying to do. And that he realized that if you really just take the scripture at what the scripture is, just read the Bible for what it is, there is no argument. And in the podcast, he called out another minister, and I'm not going to name any names. I'll let him do that publicly, and you guys can go check it out if you want. But he called out another minister and said that he, you know, he really wants to, to have a, a good Christian debate about it because there's one side that's heavy against it, and then he's obviously on the other camp. He's all about it. And he says, you know, I think the reason why he doesn't want to debate is because the Scripture already won the victory. If you just take the word for what it is, the, 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 the argument's already done. I think of Paul when I think of that because the very thing that Paul was against, he had to show up the next Sunday in church and say, hey, everybody, my name's Saul of Tarsus, and I, I normally would come here to try to arrest you all and to persecute you all and try to get you killed, but today I want to tell you about this Jesus that I met on the way to Damascus, and he changed my life, and he saved my life. Can I tell you that when that first sermon, the first sermon that Saul preached when he walked up into the church... They all looked in amazement at Saul. And I have a feeling it was a very quiet service. The reason being is because they had recognized this man as somebody who came in with murderous intent to, to get them out, to take them and put them in jail because of what they believed. And now he shows up preaching what they believe. So in our day and age, that's that day, you know, stand on the chair and shout and get real Pentecostal loud. But in those days, I think the church was real quiet because they're like, uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. This is a setup. Because as soon as I get on my chair and I shout and I say amen, he's going to go, arrest him. That's one of them. Uh, come on, are you with me? I'm paraphrasing. If you don't believe me, please go read the scriptures. But this is what happened. But watch what happens in verse 22. But Saul increased in all the more strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Can I get a witness? What is your story? What is your story? A witness, as I said at the beginning of this morning, is a legal term that is used to describe someone who has seen, heard, or known something. And they can testify in a court of law based on their own knowledge of the event. Is to give evidence, is to give proof that something exists. And every single believer has a testimony. Watch this. We should not be ashamed to testify about what Jesus has done in us. We should not be ashamed. Listen to me this morning. I am in no way, shape, or form proud of the way I used to live. I have also not attained perfection. I still make mistakes. But I am very proud, very loud, and very bold about what Jesus has done in my life up to this point. And although I may not be where I want to be, I'm certainly not where I was. 
and I will not be ashamed to stand and to testify that I was living immorally, that I was drinking every single night, that I was wildly addicted to Copenhagen long cut. Listen, I, immediately I say that. Well, the word doesn't say anything about tobacco. God doesn't say that we can't use tobacco. No, you're right, but he does have a lot to say about addictions, and I was addicted. You know how I know? I tried to stop for a few minutes, and I started getting the cold sweats like a raging addict. And you know what? I'm not afraid, and I'm not ashamed to testify of where Jesus brought me from. Two cans a day, three cans on a real stressful day. I had a bad dream. I had a vision. I woke up the next morning and quit cold turkey. And I want to let you know it was five days of hell. But I ain't touched it since. And that was, I don't know, how many years ago was that now, babe? Eleven? Eight? Nine? Somewhere in that. Don't quote me on the time, but it's been a long time. Can somebody say Amen. I was that guy at the tackle store that about every fourth word was a cuss word. The F word was very frequent in my vocabulary. Listen, I tell you now, I'm so changed on the other side of it. When I hear the F word, my spirit cringes. Now, I don't judge anybody that does cuss. Hear my heart on that. My heart goes out to them and I love them. But understand, I was that person. And I'm not ashamed to sit up here on the pulpit and tell you where I came from. And the reality is this, is when you begin to testify, it begins to shift an atmosphere with faith. I stand up here and tell you that I had a broke ankle and that I got x-rays and it was shattered in multiple places. And in two days, I cut my own cast off and had my own praise party in my house. That will build testimony. That will build faith for healing. If somebody comes in here and says, listen, I had a tumor growing on my neck and they prayed and we prayed and I woke up the next morning and the tumor was laying on my pillow and no longer on my neck. All of a sudden, I guarantee you, people are going to start coming up for prayer for, for healing and cancer. Why? Because faith goes up in the room. When you begin to testify where you were and where you are now, all of a sudden, faith goes up for salvation. When you begin to testify, you know what? I was crazy. I told this story in first service, and I'm going to do it in second service, too. Pastor was with me when this happened. Y'all need to pray for him. Listen, I was unsaved at the time. Somebody say Amen. This was about 12 years ago, 11 years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. We were leaving the tackle store. I was working for him. He was my boss. I say this because, listen, we all got a certain level of crazy. Come on, be real with me this morning. Listen, I'm not here to judge your level of crazy if you don't judge my level of crazy. Some of us are just crazy in the Chick-fil-A line, and some of us else need to go into a padded room with a padded cell. Are you with me? So I'm not, I'm not judging your level of crazy, so don't judge mine. But I used to be that crazy young person that in high school, I had the big wheels on my truck, and I had real big speakers in the back seat, and a lot of power going to them. I was that one when you were at the stoplight, and you're getting real frustrated because your brain is rattling in your head because of three vehicles behind you, and they're sitting there going... <laughs> and the, the roof of the truck is vibrating? Did it. That was me. Are you with me? And one day we were leaving the tackle store, and I was so impressed with my speaker system, and I was so, and I used to do crazy stuff. I set the cruise control on the truck, 
and I hopped, I rolled the window down and I hopped up on the windowsill of the truck and I'm sitting and I'm holding on to the, 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 the handle that you get into the vehicle and I stretch outside of the vehicle out to cruise control and I'm doing this going down the highway and I'm bumping and the speakers are blaring. And, and at that time, Pastor Alex was my boss. I don't know how I didn't get fired. And he's just sitting there looking at me like, this kid's crazy. I'm not judging your level of crazy, so don't judge mine. Somebody say amen. Listen, I haven't done that in years. Now, the only sin that I committed that day was it was very irresponsible of me to drive without driving. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with loud music, amen? But I wouldn't even think of doing something like that today. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling a joke to lighten the atmosphere a little bit because it's getting a little thick in here. Are you with me? But that's who I was. I used to do stuff like that. But it's not who I am now. I'm in my right frame of mind. I'm in a better frame of mind. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Somebody say testify. Matthew 11, 1 through 6, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And John, when he heard, everybody say he heard it. He heard in prison about the works of Christ. He sent two disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell, go and testify. Go and testify the things which you hear and which you see. Go and testify to your, your boss, John. Go and testify to him that you, the blind see. Go and testify that the lame walk. Go and testify that the lepers are cleansed. Go and testify that the deaf hear. Go and testify that the resurrection power is still raising from the dead today. Go and testify that the had the gospel preached to him. Go and testify that that with which John hears in prison, you can go to him and say, listen, what you heard is true. I saw it with my own eyes. And when they go and testify, it brings proof. It brings evidence. It brings a witness that what he has heard is true. I want to tell you this morning, and I came here for one reason this morning. This is the message the Lord gave me. We're going into Easter Sunday. And there's going to be live testimonies Easter Sunday. And you're going to hear from every age group, from every dynamic, rich, poor, young, old, grew up in the church, Holy Ghost sanctified, pastor, whatever it may be, all the way down to the heroin addict on the street. You're going to hear from every walk of life. And that's partly why I tried to choose the stories that I chose this morning. And I'm only just scratching the surface on those who testified. Because one of the characteristics of the early church was a church that lived a culture of testimony. There was a culture of it. They, they lived it. They breathed it everywhere they went. They had to testify. They had to testify, and they were not ashamed of their testimony. Psalm 119.46 says that I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Are you not proud of what God has done in your life? I am. I'm very thankful, personally. You know, sometimes we forget real quick. We get real holy and sanctified, and we forget where we actually came from. You take this suit jacket off and these nice shiny boots I got on, and I'm just an old redneck from Okeechobee. I remember where I came from. I remember what I was like. 
And even if you don't see the outward expression of it, I remember what I was like inwardly and it was ugly. Why would I stay silent? You can populate the kingdom of God, not with Bible bashing, not with quoting the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's nothing wrong with getting the scripture. You know how staunch I am about getting the scripture in you. But why would you wait to try to testify and to try to help expand the kingdom of God for something you may spend an eternity trying to grab? Come on, I want to talk to every person this morning from every age group. The word says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I don't care if you're 17 years old or if you're 77 years old. Every day you have an opportunity to populate the kingdom of God by your story. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another week. And watch this, that testimony that you shared, all of a sudden you'll have a fresh one. Because testimonies multiply. Acts 4, 18 through 20 says, so they called them and commanded them. They commanded them not to speak. This is what I said at the beginning. Not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen or which we have heard. They came to him and said, stop talking about Jesus. Shut it down. We're not there yet. But yet we're more silent than ever. Come on, church family. You don't have people beating your door down, threatening to murder you, threatening to throw you in jail. And the first conversation piece that we have is about the Raiders. You got a testimony. It's your story for his glory. You've got a word inside of you. And you know what? Here's the reality of it. If you're not at a place spiritually, you're not at a place with God for you to sit there and quote all the scripture that backs up your story, that's okay. Because I can assure you, if you just tell them what Jesus did, it'll spark a curiosity for them to come and find out. As it was with John, as it was for the people in Samaria, as it was for all of those that Zacchaeus went and restored fourfold to, as it was in the days of old, there needs to be a culture of testimony. Watch this. You also don't need to come to the church with a microphone in front of the whole brethren to testify. Testimony in the church is powerful because it builds faith within the church. But I want to let you know it's a whole lot more powerful out in the unsaved world where they don't have Jesus. I hear my heart, but I shouldn't have to testify to the Christian. I shouldn't have to because there should be so much fresh testimony and fresh revelation inside of you that it's bubbling outside of you. I should, though, have to testify to the world. One story, and then I'm going to close. Is this okay? 
I told you this week I've been taking count of how many times I've shared my own testimony. And this, this week I went to Home Depot, as I do often. I handle a lot of the maintenance here. Me and Josh were replacing some lights this week. And we got down to the last light, and it was busted in the box, so I had to take it back to Home Depot for a return. And, and I'm walking into Home Depot with the return box, and I'm going to exchange the light so I can get back to work. Nothing spiritual. I'm at work, doing work things. <laughs> okay. Maybe you was at Sherwin-Williams getting paint. I don't know. But either way, I, I was at Home Depot, and I was exchanging a light and in the process of getting I went to the back of the store she said just go get the light and I come back to the front of the store and I'm on my way to check out exchange is over I'm headed back Josh is waiting on me he's sitting in the room going man Pastor Mike's taking forever at Home Depot I don't know what's going on on my way to the door I hear from over the side hey you and I turn and it's the lady and I don't know if she's here this morning or not but if she is I love you very much and I believe this was a God-ordained interaction that we had the other day but either way she says hey you and I turn and I look and the immediate thought that ran through my head can I be vulnerable before you this morning you know when you go to Home Depot or you go to Sam's and they got that person at the front of the store that's trying to catch you on the way in about your cell phone plan your water your air conditioning and and they're like hey how's your water in your house you're like it's good because you don't want to fill out the survey so they call you 150 times to try to get you to buy some kind of water filtration system that you don't need. If I'm being honest and vulnerable before you this morning, this was the HVAC lady and I was convinced. <laughs> Hi. And then the next thing that came out of her mouth, it just, you know, shocked me to death. She said, you're that guy from that church. I said, oh. Because that only goes one of two ways, right? Come on, be real with me this morning. It's either I go to that church too, and I love that place. God is moving. I mean, I to tell you, that's the best place in the world. Or that place a cult. Come here, I have a theological question to deal with you about. So I didn't know what I was fixing to walk into. Can I be real with you? And I said, hi, yes, ma'am. She says, you're one of the pastors at that church. I said, oh, Lord. I am. And she began to have this conversation with me. My story for his glory. And she began to talk to me and begin to break down about how she's struggling and how she's going through all this stuff and how her faith is really on the rocks and how she's really even struggling to believe. And this was a woman, is a woman that she's much older than me. I mean, she could just about be my grandma. And I don't say that in a negative connotation. She's been alive and been a Christian for longer than I've been alive. She's, but she was married for longer than I've been alive. Is this okay? Can I, I'm not being disrespectful. Precious woman, and my heart began to break. And she's, she's, I'm struggling. I've been a Christian for so long, and I believed in God and all this, that, and the other. But cancer took my husband. And I don't understand why would I serve a God that doesn't heal. And I had immediate flashbacks to me as a nine-year-old boy on the day of my mother's funeral when she died from cancer. And we walked away from God because you know what? I don't want to serve a God that doesn't heal. My story for his glory. 
And right there in Home Depot, I begin to share my story and what I went through and what I've gone through. And I begin to share with her how I got through it and how I got over it. And she's beginning to weep and she's beginning to cry and my heart's beginning to break for her. We prayed for her right there in the middle of Home Depot. People walking in and looking at us like, what is wrong with these crazy Holy Ghost filled Christians? You know what? That's what the church should look like. It's my story for his glory. And I believe and I stand here this morning. I prophesied in the atmosphere for total restoration for that precious woman of God in Jesus' name. Lord, let my story be for your glory. Let our stories, God, be for your glory. Lord, I pray for every person this morning that came out. God, I encourage them to open their mouths and speak the word and the testimony and what you have done in their lives in Jesus' name. God, I pray this morning for an infilling of boldness and courage to stand with no fear in their lives. And Lord, just begin to share of the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the delivering power, the healing touch, the deliverance, the protection, the provision. God, everything that you do in our lives, Lord, give us a boldness to testify and we call forth now Lord we even prophetically call it forth now a multiplication and a harvest let this church explode with souls in Jesus name Lord we call them from the north the south the east and the west all four corners of Vero Beach Sebastian Fort Pierce the surrounding areas God in Jesus name we call them forth now Lord we speak to that percentage 52.4% that do not know you in Vero Beach my God I pray this morning in the name of Jesus as the people as us as, as your body catches a revelation in a culture of testifying of what you have done, Lord, we pray. Let that number decrease in Jesus' name. And as it decreases, we pray for an increase in your kingdom, God. The greatest thing we can ever ask for, Lord. The greatest miracle of all is more souls. Save them, Lord. You did it for me. Do it again in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Listen, if you have never been baptized for what it's worth, the Word says one of the things that will testify openly of Jesus is water baptism. It's in 1 John chapter 5 if you want to go read it. There's a witness in heaven and there's three, three, three significances of a witness in heaven and there's three significances of a witness here on earth. The Spirit, the blood, and the water. And baptism is a public declaration that your life is no longer the same. That baptism is a public declaration of, listen, I let the old man die and I come up as a new creation. If you have never been baptized, we want to give the opportunity to baptize you this morning. If you're there and you say, I don't have clothes for it, that's fine. We got you covered. Just come on down. They're going to be getting the baptismal ready. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Be blessed in Jesus' name.